welcome to episode two of the All Access USL podcast. Um, today's the day. We've got our special guest, PJ Davidson of Queensborough FC, coming on, or at least he already has come on. This is a little bit of an intro uh, before the bulk of the episode, which is just the main interview. Um, and I just wanted to say a couple things before we get to that. Um, first, big thank you to PJ for coming on. Absolute pleasure having him on. Um, second, next week, we will be going back to um, like all the teams, stuff like that, covering all the teams, covering transfers. Um, the schedule just came out, so that is exciting. I'll be covering some exciting games now that we have a full schedule. Um, so yeah, but this episode, and I want to do more episodes like this, is just completely based on one team, and that team is Queensborough FC, the only team, um, as of right now, not taking part, who are set to take part, they will join in 2023, so exciting times ahead, and they still got about a year out, they're still a year out, so a long time, um, in theory, but it will be here in what feels like a matter of days. So yes, very excited for Queensborough to be joining. And this is pretty much a Queensborough um, FC based episode. Um, so with that being said, let's get right to the interview. All right, guys, this is the special guest. I was hyping up so much that I was so excited to speak with. This is PJ Davidson of Queensborough FC. Vice President and Sales, I believe, yes? Yep, absolutely. The The title is Vice President of Sales. The reality is everybody pitch in and do whatever you have to do to, to make this club work and, and create something that people can be proud of. So, uh, yeah, the titles are nice, but they're also kind of broken at the same time. Yeah, the USL is pretty uh, pretty open-ended, I feel. Yeah, absolutely. Everybody, yeah, can do, as a whole. everybody can do everything here. Exactly, yeah. So... I mean, I kind of wanted to just start off with how much Queensboro means to you here. Like, how big is it for them to finally get a team that isn't, that like actually has their own place to be, actually has a home? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think it's, it's no secret. Um, you know, the, you know, the major other team, NYCFC, I mean, there's been a, a longstanding desire from their, from the the team, the front office, the fans, the supporters of which, you know, I myself am one. I was a season ticket holder the first three years and, you know, regularly went to those matches. And um, this morning, I mean, watching Jack Harrison uh, with a yeah. hat for Leeds. Um, I mean, I remember watching him when he was just, you know, right out of Wake Forest and tearing it up down the wing at Yankee Stadium, which was cool. But um, no, I mean, I think it's something that the community deserves. Um, I think it's something that it needs for the sport to continue to grow here. Um, and ideally, hopefully we're the first of many teams to have uh, a stadium set up locally. Um, you know, we were, we were chatting a bit beforehand and, uh, and I said, I think yeah. that, um, soccer and football as a whole has so much growth potential that one team and one organization organization success is success for all of us because we're collectively trying to build the profile of the sport in the U.S. because I think there is a debate right now of, you know, are there four major sports in the U.S. or five? Um, and I think that things like Queensboro FC not only coming to exist, but getting the first soccer specific stadium in New York City um, for a professional team 
I mean, those are the things that help catapult um, us and the sport into that. Hey, it's no doubt one of the major five. Um, and hopefully we start catapulting uh, over other sports. And I think over time, that, that's a very distinct possibility. Absolutely. I mean, you see, I mean, you were talking about how you were with the Yankees. I mean, baseball is still an absolutely huge sport. Hockey is still an absolutely huge sport in the U.S. But it seems like it's only a matter of time before soccer beats those out. I mean, just last night, the Florida Panthers, and I don't want to stray away from soccer too much <laughs> because this is a USL podcast, but I mean, their attendance was pretty bad for a 9-2 win. So, I mean, it seems absolutely like it could be two, three years away where MLS and USL makes that jump over the NHL in terms of popularity, in terms of fan base, stuff like that. And I think Queensboro has an excellent opportunity, like you were saying, because they've already got this stadium to build around. They've beat out NYCFC for that. Um, they're not in like a terrible location like New York Red Bulls. And like walk me through a little bit how like you're pioneering that like you have already started off way better than New York Red Bulls or NYCFC ever could have. I mean, NYCFC, like we were talking beforehand, are playing a Champions League game in LA. Like it seems like right off the bat, you guys will have the support of the fans more than any other USL team ever could hope. I mean, I hope so. Um, I mean, just to talk about Queens itself for a second, because I think that's something that's interesting about the way that we've branded is that um, we're not, you know, just a, a, a new, we're not New York football club. And again, that's not a knock on an OICFC by any stretch. It's just we're Queensboro FC. Queens is first. I mean, if you, so New York City for you or any listeners who, who aren't aware is made up of five boroughs. Um, so New York City is, you know, most people commonly know Manhattan, um, but you've also got uh, Queens, Staten Island, the Bronx, and Brooklyn. Um, so Queens, it, or at least if you were to make those five boroughs, each their own unique city, uh, the last I checked, Queens would be, I think, the fourth largest city in America. Um, you've got about 2.3, 2.4 million people uh, represented by over 200 different nationalities speaking 130 different languages. Uh, it's the single most diverse place on the planet. Uh, but the thing is, many of these countries football is a religion. Um, and the fact that we can put something in these folks' backyard um, that they can, as you mentioned, ex uh, access easily. Um, the stadium that we're building your college is right off um, right off the, uh, the major Jamaica transit hub, which basically is two major subways, about 10, over 10 bus lines, um, the Long Island Railroad, which is all of Long Island, which is another 10 million people or so. Um, and uh, in the air train, even directly from JFK. So wow. yeah, it's going to be really accessible. It's going to be awesome. And that's something that we're really proud of. Um, but, you know, I think, I think the comparison with NYCFC and Red Bulls is very flattering and, and I appreciate <laughs> the kind words, but I do think we have to recognize the fact that, you know, the same we're building is going to be, you know, roughly 7,500 people. Um, as much as I'm ecstatic that we quote beat the other teams to it. Um, NYCFC would never be okay with a 7,500 person stadium. I mean, literally by the, the definition and the rules in the first division, uh, to be a first division league in U.S. soccer, you need to have 15,000 people uh, in your stadium. So 
uh, it's a great thing. I'm ecstatic. Um, you know, people on social media seem to have a lot, a lot of fun poking at that. Um, but I do recognize the fact that NYCFC do need a significantly larger stadium. Um, but I mean, I hope that we can pull some of those people. Um, and I'm not even saying they have to only be Queensboro FC fans. It's okay if they're NYCFC, Red Bull, et cetera. We're in different leagues at the end of the day. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so much like in England, if you live in, you know, just like a more of a, a random town or, or area in England, you know, your local club might be Plymouth Argyle, but yeah. your big club is Manchester United or Liverpool or Arsenal or Chelsea or whatever it may be. So I, I kind of look at it as, hey, let us be your local club. But if you want to support an NYCFC, a Red Bull, um, more power to you. Just if we face them in open cup or anything like that, I hope you're wearing <laughs> purple as opposed to red or blue, but, um, but it should be fun. I mean, more soccer again. The more soccer in the area, the better, um, so we can continue to catapult the profile and hopefully deliver an experience that the supporters in the in the community, um, you know, feel proud of. Because at the end of the day, that's that's the first thing. The community is everything. We're we're a community driven club, so having them feeling good about what they're supporting uh, is integral to to our future success. And um, you know, we want that stadium if it's seventy five hundred, you know, capacity we want 7,500 screaming, passionate fans creating a fortress there um, that teams, you know, when, when they have to come play us, they know they're in for it. You know, New Yorkers don't play, like they're going to hand it to you. And and there's, it's going to be brash. It's going to be abrasive. It's going to be intimidating. Um, But that's New Yorkers, like, especially Queens. Um, Manhattan gets all the love. Brooklyn's kind of, you know, the cool up and coming area. Queens doesn't get the love it deserves. So hopefully Queensboro FC can begin to put us back on the map and give us that, uh, that relevance and reputation that, that we deserve. So um, hoping for the best with it. And it's our role to create that. That is incredible. I actually never knew some of what you just said there. So getting some insight on that was great. Like all the access that they're going to get uh, is incredible. So definitely something to be even more excited about now that I've yeah. first heard it. And I put out on my Instagram that I actually don't support the USL championship team at all. I just love the league in general, but it seems like Queensborough is making a great case to be number one in my heart. <laughs> hey man, we'll, we'll, we'll take you. You gotta, you, you let me know. We'll, we'll, we'll get some, some swag your way before we're done. So we can, uh, we can be in the running for your squad. <laughs> <laughs> that'd be, that'd be awesome. So moving on from how they can build stadium wise, support wise, You've got still a whole year before your first season of play. So what can we really expect as we build up? I mean, um, it is a long way away, but it will be here just like that. So what do you expect? What is going to happen in the next year building up to their inaugural season, their first home game, stuff like that? Yeah. So, you know, unfortunately, we're no stranger to this. Um, This is our second postponement. Um, we were supposed to kick off in 2021, um, but everything with um, COVID and the pandemic in the first place, kind of the shock of it all at first, um, led to us and, and many other teams postponing. You now, some even postponed multiple years off the jump. Yeah. Um, you know, we were hopeful we could postpone one. Um, this uh, this virus could be under control, um, and then we could go from there. Uh, unfortunately, it you know, hasn't quite worked out that way because now you've got everybody's favorite term, supply chain, uh, wreaking yeah. havoc um, when it comes to what we're trying to do because we would love to build a stadium, but 
we can't at the moment because we can't get the materials in a timely manner. Um, you know, we could potentially do it uh, in time for this season. Like we thought about giving it a shot, but if everything goes perfect, we're playing our first home game sometime in May. And that's if everything yeah. goes perfect. And the last thing we want to do, because again, we've seen what has happened with, you know, NYCFC and other teams playing in alternate venues and um, the pushback from the fans and how, how much they just don't enjoy that. Um, so for us, like we're going to, we're going to wait to do this the right way, not right now. Um, and that's got to be key to what we're doing. Um, so to give a quick background. So I was with the New York Yankees for seven years. Um, you know, so that's about as big time brand corporate as it gets in the American sports landscape. And you can Absolutely, even argue the yeah. sports landscape. Uh, so to go from that to a second division professional soccer team building from scratch, couldn't be more of a 180. Um, so the key to it, in my opinion, is just grassroots, getting your, getting your feet wet, getting your hands dirty, being in the community, doing what we can. Um, so this past season, um, rather than have a, a front of shirt sponsor, um, you know, a paid partner like you typically would, um, we donated that to all of the, essentially all the main hospitals and hospital groups here in Queens and all the proceeds from our jerseys this past season, which easily our number one seller, are going back to COVID relief to those hospitals. Wow. So it's like, listen, we can't, we can't do what we want to do on the pitch at the USL championship level, but it co comes back to being a community first club and what can we do to better the Queens community? Um, so it's just constantly being out there, constantly having a helping hand. I mean, we're not an organization worth billions of dollars like your other four major sports. So what can we do? okay, maybe we can't write a fat check, but we can sure as heck get our hands dirty and get out there and be with you in the cold, handing out turkeys for Thanksgiving and doing what we can at food pantries and park cleanups and you name it. Um, so that's gotta be what it's all about is, uh, is that. And then of course, in the process, continuing to grow the brand. Um, we have an amazing partnership with uh, a company called Saturday's Football, um, who are just as through and through soccer endemic uh lifestyle brand as you get and the opportunity to partner with with matt and his team uh to design a lot of our, our clothing and our merchandise and our apparel accessories um you know we want to build a lifestyle brand yeah. so we're trying to do that in the process and um you know for you or anybody out there i mean just take a look at our, our team shop um that you can find on our website and it's not your typical team store gear with a white tee and slap a logo on it um, it's really, it's stuff you can wear any day. Yeah. Of the week. You can dress it up, dress it down. Um, and that's what we're trying to do is just build something that people from Queens are proud to wear and represent um, on match days or not. Um, the other thing is that uh, this past season, we launched our academy team. And yes. so U19, we made it all the way to the national championship game oh. in our first season, which was unbelievable. Played it, uh, at the uh, Tampa Bay Rowdy Stadium uh, out in St. Pete, which was an amazing experience. Final didn't go our way, um, but in our first year to make it to the finals was incredible. So we want to build on that this season, uh, as well as we're launching our women's team uh, that'll compete in the USLW League. Um, so we're building. I mean, we've got the academy, now we've got the, the women's, and then the goal is to get the, the pro men's and eventually pro women's and kind of complete that pathway to pro. Um, because that's a huge part of what we're doing is trying to 
um, help youth grow their careers, especially yeah. folks, you know, from right here in our background, backyard in Queens is having that pathway to pro. And um, for us, like our academy is fully funded. Um, so our players don't pay a dime. Um, that's a huge issue with soccer in the U.S. Yeah, it, that is already a huge step up from the MLS and their yeah. academy. And some of their academies are, are, are fully funded as well, um, but not all of them. Um, so yeah. if you want to play for a top team in Queens and New York, 90% of the time, it's going to cost money. It's probably going to cost at least three to $4,000 per season, if not more per kid, wow. your family that isn't really, really, really well off, let alone you have multiple kids. That's a big problem. That's a barrier to entry, um, that you don't see in other countries. If that, if that was the way this game worked, Cristiano Ronaldo wouldn't be Cristiano Ronaldo. Leo Messi wouldn't be Leo Messi. You know, these players wouldn't have made it if it was a country club sport, um, the way that yeah. it's been set up in the state. So, you know, we want to be a catalyst for change in that regard as well. Um, and hopefully we inspire others to do the same and produce some really awesome talent that makes other teams take notice that this is a model that can work. That is incredible. I actually also didn't know um, that your academy was like completely free to join. That is awesome. Like I said, a complete step up almost from most MLS academies. But I kind of want to shift now from the men's side of the game to the women's side, because you said that you are joining the W League. Mm -hmm. I didn't know that, but I didn't. Um, I want to touch more on the fact that you said, like, is there a, like a future where you do have an NWSL team? Or like, is that something you guys are trying to build upon and trying to aim for? Or is yeah. W League? Absolutely. Pro women's for sure. You know, whether it's, um, you've got the NWSL, you have um, the USL starting in 2023 is introducing the USL Super League, um, which is their professional women's league. Um, so, yeah, I mean, our goal is to be able to complete that pathway for our W League players. Um, so the W League is really largely, uh, you know, I consider it almost like a, uh, a summer showcase league. So a lot of your top college players will play in it. Um, and it's a chance to just continue playing at a high level, continue to develop Um and the nice thing about the USLW League, uh, just like the USL Academies, which are both pre-professional for uh, men's and women's, is that by playing in both of those leagues, um, and even though we are fully funded for both teams, so W League as well, you know, if you're on the final roster, you're not paying anything, um, is that through the existing rules with the NCAA, um, they maintain their eligibility. So you can play for us, even though our, our academy is fully funded, um, both men's and women's, you can play for us and then go off to college. So we had our, our first signing for our USL Academy team, uh, Leo Garino, uh, took a full ride at the number one recruiting class in the country to Wake Forest. Um, so he was the number 10 for us the first half of the Academy season. Uh, and then he went off to school. Um, and I'm sure with our W League, the scouting process that we're doing right now, we're going to have a ton of college talent that are going to come back uh, from wherever they're playing, whether that's you know, they play on the West Coast, but they're from the, the New York, Queens area. And then they come back and play first in the summer. Or maybe it's a local talent from a, you know, a local Queens school, a St. John's, a Queens College, a York, whatever it may be. Um, so we're in the process of doing that. It's a lot of fun. Um, but a lot of it is an, an educational process is a lot of people are unaware of what the W League is. And we've got to make sure they understand it and they see our vision. Um, we just announced our head coach for that. Uh, Nadia Caballero, who played for Sevilla among a host of La Liga clubs. Um, and she shares the same vision in terms of 
the style of play. I mean, we're trying to build that at every level, every team, uh, progressive, exciting, one-two touch uh, sort of football that I think anybody who watched any of our academy games uh, or the final, I mean, the announcers were going nuts. They, everybody just was reaching out saying they can't wait uh, to see us in the USL championship because it's a totally different style of play to anything that yeah. you see right now. Um, it's a very Spanish, progressive, attacking, um, relentless way to play. Um, so you have to take chances to score goals. So. Yeah. <laughs> so I know we also just talked about what's uh, up ahead for 2023, just one year ahead. But the main goal is the play. So what can we expect when you do join? Like, is there a certain goal to make the playoffs? Is there a certain goal to win the title? Is there just a certain goal, like, by, like, say, 2025 to have one of the best attendances in the league? Stuff like that. Like, what are the big goals heading in um, to the first season and beyond that? So, great question. I would say that we are unique and I think the USL in general is unique in the sense that you can show up year one and you can win. Yeah. Uh, USL, you know, largely, as you know, and, and your listeners will know, it's a lot of one-year deals. Um, every so yeah. often you'll see a two-year deal and rarely you'll see more than a two-year deal um, for mm-hmm. a player um, because each year, you know, nothing against USL championship. They want to play in bigger leagues and in bigger teams and on bigger stages. And there's nothing wrong with that. Um, no. with Queensboro FC, I don't want players who play their entire career with Queensborough FC. I mean, that's great. I mean, it'd be awesome. But my, when I say that, my point is I want to help take players to the next step in their career. And hopefully that's above USL championship, whether mm. that is, uh, playing at the MLS level, whether that's playing in Europe, wherever it may be, you know, our goal is to maximize our, our players' careers, um, in the lifespan, because it is, different than a classic job you know you don't play Mm -hmm. past 35 in most cases Um, that's kind of the end for most positions if you're not a goalkeeper so um you're one we want it all I mean I'm doing a lot of projections right now um as we speak this last week on you know helping us prepare both on the pitch and off the pitch you know we want to sell out every game we want to win every game we want to win the title in year one um we want our Instagram following to <laughs> skyrocket. We want, you know, we're working, we're working on our TikTok right now. We just created this and, you know, overnight we've gone viral for a few posts on our, our Queensborough FC TikTok. Wow, and, nice. Uh, you know, we've got a post right now uh, that our social media manager put up from uh, the USL Academy playoffs and it's a penalty or no penalty uh, showing a case where one of our players, you know, is driving in towards goal. Mm-hmm. Uh, there was a coming together in the box and we just said, Hey, penalty or no penalty. What do you think? And I think the last time I checked, I mean, there's like a hundred thousand comments or something like that. Like wow. It's, it's absolutely insane. Everyone's, everyone's chiming in on it. Um, and I keep looking to see, where is it now? Where is it now? Um, <laughs> let's, see. let's take a look. Last I checked, it was, uh, it was pretty ridiculous. Queensboro FC. So we were at like a hundred followers yesterday. We're now at over 2,000, over 100,000 likes, this penalty or no penalty video, uh, always views, I'm sorry, so definitely not 100,000, uh, 40,000 likes and like 2,700 comments of just people going at it, debating penalty or no penalty. So like, That's awesome. Um, you know, we want to create fun, engaging content that people enjoy and they want to take part in. Um, so yeah, we just want to be number one in everything. 
Um, you know, it's nice to see the numbers that the other clubs in the USL championship are putting up on the field, off the field. Um, and we're like, cool. All right. That's, that's the goal or beating whoever number one is. Um, so we're going to, we're going to keep going. We're not stopping until we get there. Awesome. So as well, I want to touch on like, uh, almost how other teams have done in their first season, like Oakland started off pretty slow. Mm -hmm. Uh, they picked it up towards the end, made the playoffs. So like USL championship is always the number one thing every season that's what you're going for unless maybe you're an academy team like Loudon. like yeah. no disrespect to Loudon, but i don't think that's their main goal they just want to be there for uh development yeah and that and that's why you have mls next pro coming into yeah. play um i think it's a great shift I, I think that the the affiliate clubs from from the mls teams did a great job um they they helped legitimize the, the USL championship as, uh, as it kind of came up, but over time, I mean, the great thing is these independent clubs, like, you know, like we hope to achieve is, is an independent club as well, uh, have shown that there's a very big difference between player development and not, I mean, you look go back to last season when, um, Red Bull two brought, what was it? Seven, eight, nine MLS players to Hartford athletic, um, and Hartford are a decent side. I mean, yeah. on the field, they're, no one's going to say they're top few teams in the league, but they're definitely not a bottom team. I mean, they're, they're no. solid. Yeah. I mean, they beat them seven, nothing with eight, nine players who hadn't played together and everything else. And um, that just shows the quality that you're going to find in the USL championship, even against MLS opposition that the a team like Hartford's playing to win mm -hmm. a team like Red Bull too. They want to win, but the number one goal is, is developing players. So yeah. I think MLS next pro is, is a great move and, um, it, it's something that makes a lot of sense for the landscape there. Um, the fact that they have um, third division classification in U.S. soccer as opposed to second division, which is only the USL championship, also makes sense. Yeah. Um, I don't know if that's going to be continued player development coming up or if it's going to be more like MLS bench players who aren't going to be in the 18 coming mm -hmm. down and for the weekend playing with that team. I think it makes sense. Once you put the independent clubs in there like Rochester, uh i'm a little confused but we'll yeah. find out you know we'll, we'll see what the the end goal is um i thought it was really good to have a level playing field with just the mls2 teams um but now that they're bringing in the independence i'm kind of like hmm, not what i expected but yeah we'll see so i know that kind of flew off track but anybody who's a listener on your on your pod is going to be yeah. well aware of this mls next pro develop. mls next pro is pretty big it's and very relevant to USL and the future of the yeah. championship. And, um, you know, I don't know what the intentions are, but it's going to be interesting. And as long as at the end of the day, the goal is strengthening soccer in the United States, mm -hmm. that's great. I th I'm yeah. all for it, you know? Yeah. And like the first time I heard MLS next pro come up, I was almost a bit nervous that it could rival USL as a second division, uh, like league. Um, but now that it's more towards like youth and fringe players, do you think it almost legitimizes the USL championship more because it takes away those academy teams who kind of create this big gap between those teams who take the USL championship seriously and those teams that are almost just like development teams for MLS teams that just want their players to play no matter uh, like just for minutes or like recovery or stuff like that. Do you think it just 
but it creates this almost like um what's the word i'm looking for like i think it's a win-win scenario yeah. just I takes away the um like level like gap between other teams yeah. oh absolutely i mean i think it's it's not just the, the the team on the field it's also the experience of the ground it's the experience mm-hmm. of the stands it's you know it's when you go to a a red bull two match at montclair state i mean there's you know maybe a couple hundred people yeah um, you know and i'm guessing a lot of those are probably families of, of some of the the local players who are on the team um you know you're not getting a giant movement of people f- who are fans of the senior team mm-hmm. um, coming to support or you know the people locally um you know, in the same thing with, with a Loudon who my colleague, Adam, um, was a part of the team that created that. And I, I think they, you know, they've done an amazing job with getting Segra field off the ground and mm-hmm. building that. And, um, and they've had some really strong individual success. I mean, yeah. in their first year, they had Donovan Pines playing, um, in the back line, they had Griffin Yao. I mean, those, yeah. both of those guys, Kevin Brightest, they're all getting minutes at the, at the senior level for DC United. So there, there is success that you can point to. Um, but as a freestanding team to win on the field and win on the business side, um, that's, you know, it's just two different, two different goals. Yeah. Um, and, and that's, that's okay. There's nothing wrong with that. And that's why I think the MLS two teams, the affiliate teams going off to MLS next pro makes a ton of sense because again, you go to a away match at, a, uh, an MLS affiliate team in the USL and there's nobody there mm-hmm. and you're crushing them. And that's not to say that some of the affiliate teams haven't done well. I mean, yeah. Monarchs won the title, mm-hmm. you know, in the last few years, slow Stos made the playoffs. Um, what was it? Two years ago. Um, yeah. Uh, so it's, Red it's Bulls not, two won the East like three years ago, I think. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. So like there is success to point to. I, I don't want to sound like there's not, um, right. it's just two different models and, mm-hmm. I hope they go to MLS next pro. And, you know, I, I'm just intrigued to see what the relationship is on the sporting side. Um, if a player is doing really well in MLS next pro, um, but they're not quite at the level of their MLS team itself. What do you do? Are they yeah. staying there? Are they going on loan to the USL championship or another MLS team? Like I don't, I don't know. Um, there's a lot of unanswered questions. Um, so it's a lot of wait and see. And I think we're all going to f- kind of find out as we go. Um, because a lot of times with leagues in their first year, it is a lot of figure it out as we go. And I'm mm-hmm. sure the, the folks with who are running MLS Next Pro, a lot of it's going to be figure it out as we go. And um, But that's important. You've got to be flexible and you've got to be willing to adapt and, and adjust and do what's best for, for it because you're, you know, the cement is still wet, if you will, yeah. you know you're kind of hard it's going to harden as you go but you don't want it to harden in the wrong mm-hmm. way um you got to get the right foundation um so i hope they do it well and um i hope the relationship with usl stays strong and uh, and that it's just again continued progression for the sport as a whole um yeah and as long as those teams and those organizations are getting what they want out of the league it's great just yep. the same way that we want to get you know we want to get out of the usl championship um, yeah what does the future hold for the leagues, the organizations, who knows? I mean, U.S. soccer at the, you know, the the top level has been really solid since MLS came in, but in terms of below that, I mean, there's been constant change. Um, you know, you have the NASL, the USL Championship, yeah. everything else, and um, 
but I think that the USL championship is super solid. Um, mm-hmm. And for the first time in a while, you've got a really legit second division in US soccer. And, you know, there's a lot of really exciting, unique ideas coming from the league office. They're talking about shifting to the, the, the European season that, you know, I'm not even European, just pretty much the rest of the world yeah. uh, adopts in also getting on those transfer windows, which will be really good for player sales and that we're not kind of at odds with, with other mm-hmm. leagues. Um, you know, the fact that they're talking about the, the potential of promotion relegation. Um, these are things that the U S soccer community has been calling out for, for years. Um, I don't know how that ever reaches MLS um, for a multitude of reasons, mostly just the gigantic difference in profit. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, if you're going to put a $400 million bid in for a franchise and then build a billion dollar stadium or whatever it is, yeah. and you have the threat of the next year dropping into the USL championship where your revenues are going to be probably super different. I mean, I can understand why mm-hmm. MLS owners are resistant. Why would they risk their investment? Um, but, you know, we'll yeah. see. I mean, if USL can do it themselves and improve it and it continues mm-hmm. to climb and get closer and closer to that level in MLS, who knows what happens? But again, it's a lot of wait and see. Um, but I'll just I'll kind of be the same broken record as long as it's for the, the betterment of US soccer. Um, I'm all for it. That, that, that's all that matters is we grow the sport together uh, and get to a point where this can be not just the five major sports, but maybe we're the third of the five mm-hmm. or the second of the five or the first of the five. I mean, who knows? We'll see. Yeah. So before we talking about like stability of the league, like as we've seen through the years, less teams and less teams fold as the seasons go on. Unfortunately, like we had Reno and Fresno fold before 2020. That was unfortunate. We have OKC taking a hiatus until 2023. Um, and they lost Ilian Bijev to uh, CB Fuego, which is pretty disappointing, but that's neither here nor there. But as the league gets more stable, we see better players come over because they have that like definite pay. They have the definite play time. They know that for this season, they will have a job. and like we see Parfait Mandanda come over to Hartford Athletic and he's yeah. playing with Excel Muscron in the Belgium first division right now, which is incredible. So yeah. before, like, this will be my last question before we finish off. Sure. I just want to know, like, what is the dream realistic signing now that the league is more stable than ever and there's bigger pull than ever coming in to the USL championship? So I would say it in... I'll put it this way. My dream realistic signing is a kid from Flushing Meadows Park in Queens. Yeah. Straight up. I mean, like, don't get me wrong. I would love a big name, just like the next person. Um, But my dream signing is a kid that has been playing soccer since he was little in the parks and Queensborough FC was an accessible uh, team. For, mm-hmm. for him or her uh, to uh, consume our content, you know, on their, on their phones or computers or whatever it is and watch our games and go to matches and, you know, our players and our coaches and our staff are in the community and they can, you know, they can reach out and touch them. You know, maybe they go into the park and there's one of our players, um, you know, playing around or doing, you know, we're doing free clinics and things that these kids can access and have heroes to look up to. Um, 
and they go, you know, maybe one day they're, they're ball boys for a ball boy or a ball girl for Queensboro FC. And then they make it into the academy and they work their way up. And then, you know, we can then send them to, uh, they, they kill it for us in our first team. And then we send them off to, I don't know, a La Liga team, a Premier League team, whatever. Like, um, that's the, the dream. Um, you know, like Blue City sending uh, Jonathan Gomez to Real Sociedad. Yeah. Like, that's the dream, in my opinion, uh, is to develop somebody ourselves. Um, you know, it's no secret you've got the the Arsenal jersey behind me and mm-hmm. the recent success at Hale End, watching all this young talent come through, Bukayo Saka, Emil Smith-Rowe. Yeah. I mean, it's unbelievable watching uh, some of the talent they're building. I mean, like, we, we always said, like, he's one of our own. Like, that's what I want. That's my dream. That's my dream signing mm-hmm. and, uh, and helping them realize their dream of playing at the highest level, um, playing in Europe, playing in Champions League, uh, winning titles. Um, and hopefully we can just be the start of that for them, playing at a high level, mm-hmm. learning from the best, winning titles, and then going on to, candidly, bigger and better things. Yeah. It's nice to hear you talking about the experiences that a youth player needs. Like, I feel like a lot of people think it's boom, U13, boom, U17, boom, U19, boom, first team, that's it. But to hear you talk about, um, like, having that ability to, like, meet your coaches outside, being a ball boy, having those experiences, like, experiencing what Queensboro really is before you're actually a part of the team and not just this one, two, three, four, five, you're here, you're there, that's it. That is definitely an approach I haven't really heard or seen so far. Like, I know in Europe, um, they definitely have that kind of thing going on. But for the U.S., you don't really see it that much. So that was definitely nice to hear. Yeah, we're trying to do things do things our way. I mean, everybody can do things their way, and that's cool. Like, mm-hmm. I hope they do well. I hope they succeed, and as long as they're not succeeding when they play us, and that's cool. Um, <laughs> but, yeah, we're going to do things our way. And, um, you know, thus far in year one, our team went from not existing to – getting a crew together and next thing you know we're flying down to tampa and uh winning our group going undefeated um and making it to a final where you know the the score line was was three nil to, to indy 11 and they had a phenomenal team and scored some really top-notch goals um but if you watch the game and i know it doesn't count for anything i mean the style of play we had and we had about you know 70 80 percent possession um you know after we settled down after 20 25 minutes and you really got to see what we're about um, but that was also one of the first real tests we had was that Indy 11 team with, you know, four or five, uh, players who are, are signed to USL championship pro contracts. I mean, the, the second goal, I mean, um, the, the kid who scored it, I mean, that goal goes in at most levels of professional yeah. football. I mean, this was a absolutely gorgeous peach of a free kick. Um, and listen on another day, I, I think it's, uh, if we play that team 10 times, I think it's a pretty even split. I think they're we're both really good. Um, they had our number that night, but I, I was proud of how the, how the team played and it's a good lesson. Um, so hopefully they can make it back again this year and, and come back even stronger. And hopefully our W league team can do the same thing and we can start to string some trophies into the uh, proverbial trophy cabinet here. Uh, here yeah. at Queens. Well, thank you so much for your time. It was great to hear about the plans for Queensboro and just learning more about what to expect as the first season comes. So thank you very much for joining me today. Appreciate it. Thank you.